0: Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information.
1: Surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing. Help save lives. And so can you.
2: Brad Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hits Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Brad Show. That's delicious. All right, we try to get only the biggest names here on the Brad Show, the names that everyone t- are talking about throughout the world of baseball. So we did it again. David Ross, one of the managerial candidates for the Chicago Cubs jobs. You know him from such educational films as the one which led the Red Sox to the 2013 World Series. He had a stint before that. uh, And he has decided that he wants to get into managing business. And that doesn't surprise any of us. I think he would make a great manager. But I think it was worth talking to him about sort of the process it took to get – to that point, where he wanted to become a manager, how he viewed managing, and and on this podcast he goes through. This is I really found this interesting. He goes through the comparison between Terry Francona, John Farrell, and Joe Maddon. Obviously, he had other managers, Bobby Cox, he references as well. But that to me was really really interesting, along with some other things that David Ross said. And uh, after David Ross, we get in a little bit of a soundbite from Peter Fotzi from the Ahead of the Curve podcast, which. Peter Fotsey is the new Red Sox assistant hitting coach. So a lot going on in this podcast. It's just another reason why you are going to want to subscribe, to rate, to review five stars, the whole shebang pod combination. Lord Hobo appearance coming up. So we we thank our good friends at Lord Hobo, of course. Boom Sauce. Let's just get right to it. Another great Bradfoe show. We appreciate you listening. Here's David Ross. All right, very honored to have David Ross. Uh, David, you, you don't know this, but um, I am going to bestow you with a, a, an honor that I've only bestowed one other person, and and that is uh, you are officially inducted into the Bradfoe Show Hall of Fame, so congratulations.
3: <laughs> There's only one other. i got to ask who's the other person.
2: Uh well it's it's let's just say that he gave up a grand slam uh in in a Dodgers uniform this year so uh.
3: Oh okay all right all right well I appreciate that that's that's some good company that I get to keep and it's a true honor I think it's only second Hall of Fame, my in. High school
2: and then the Bradbo. Well, I'll say that I say this: you only get a T-shirt for one of those, I bet. So there you go. That's
3: right. <laughs> That's right. I that wear it with
2: pride. I wear it with pride. All right. Well, you know, first I know that you got a lot going on, and and I really appreciate you joining. The, and you obviously interviewing for the Cubs' job, the managing job. But you know, when I'm seeing all these reports, and and listen, like I, I've told you, how good a broadcaster I think you are. I think you'd make a great manager, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking, wow, man, you know, there is, there is a ton of guys from when you played in Boston now who are are managers or managerial candidates or something along those lines. And I'm thinking, you know, there there has to be some sort of common thread. Um, And I know everybody's different, but when you look back, when you look back at that time in Boston or, or. Or anything you 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 experiences that you've had in Boston, what can you draw on? Because I, I know I I would imagine you've been thinking a lot, probably more than ever, at any other time in your life, about what it takes to manage in a major league a major league team. So is there anything you can draw on from your time in Boston?
3: Oh yeah, I mean I think the first time I felt like I really got to the big leagues or or, or like the the. Major expectations of a big market were when I landed in Boston. I, I came up in LA and was young, played for some smaller market teams and bounced around a little bit, stuck in Atlanta for a while. And then you hit Boston. It's just a whole nother level. Um, I mean, guys like you coming up and knowing the scouting report and asking me about the scouting report and not just taking my first answer, but diving in deep when I, when I talk about maybe giving up a, a home run like while, while catching and, and where we were trying to go and what was the game plan. Um, you know some other spots I had been at that wasn't really the um, in-depth questions reporters would ask. So I mean, first off, just dealing with the media market there and how detailed they are, how in-depth they dive into the game, the expectations of winning, um, the pressure almost to to win, and anything less than winning a championship is unacceptable. I think we've seen that uh there for sure um and then just the expectations of the fans stepping foot out on that field uh you're held accountable by the fans uh in a blue collar town where they expect they pay good hard money to come watch you play and be entertained they expect your best when you step out there and so um, just that added pressure of being there expecting to win um, is a big deal and, and it really makes you get organized in your thoughts your preparation um, your body ready, just the details that go into winning. And then, I mean, on top of that, I think, you know, guys like Dave Roberts and Alex Scorer were on championship teams there, uh, and, and Gabe Kapler in Boston. And being on those championship teams, you learn what it's like, how things are run in a top notch organization and what it takes to win. And when you do win, um, how great that is. And, and you look back on those experiences and and that year for me at least in 2013 and how we went about our business um how the front office worked with the coaching staff and the coaching staff with the players um how it all felt like one big unit it wasn't separate uh how you take care of the players uh the the, the ownership the front office they give you everything you could possibly want from a player's perspective in that market and um everything is off your plate except for your commitment to winning take care of your family stay at the nicest hotels the best travel uh there literally is nothing you could want you eat the best foods home and road um so just some of the detailed things that go into winning and and, in a bigger market and, and the and the luxuries of being in that place also come with a lot of expectations
2: give me one thing if you can from Tito, from Farrell, from Joe Maddon, which you say, you know, this is maybe it that I when I was first started getting into the major leagues, I didn't realize that this was important when it when it came to managing a baseball team. And, you know, I'll give you a, a, a small example. You know, I, I always liked I think it was Tito who did this who sort of let guys know or had Millsy come around and let guys know the night before if they're going to play or not. You know something—something something as small as that. Um, yeah. For each of these yeah. guys, what—what was what, something?
3: Yeah, I think Tito for me, and, and I was a third-string catcher on that team. So um, I just the thing that stood out to me with Tito—he seemed to be everybody's friend. The guy—you a guy that everybody was easily able to talk to. He communicated well. Um, him and Bobby Cox were the only two managers I've ever played for. They were out on the bench early, sitting hanging out, talking to Petroya, talking to the players. Just one of the boys, out of the way in the clubhouse. Um, I sat down with Tito when I first got there, and I played for Millsy in AAA, so um, some familiarity there, but just being able to Going to his office and he said, it was very simple. He said, we don't have a whole lot of science here, Rossi. Uh, Behind the plate, get it now. If I tell you to throw through, if not, we're going to eat it. We don't bunt here. We plan on our nine guys being better (laughs) than their nine guys. And you're going to feel right at home. It's a great group here. You're going to feel right at home in two days. So just the simplicity of that and just how comforting he made me feel right off the bat. Uh, And call me even Rossi, you know, just a little. He's one of the guys when he talks to you. Uh, and he doesn't beat around the bush. He's pretty straightforward. Um, Carol is, it was a lot different. He stayed out of the way a lot more. He more managed from almost like a, uh, front office type seat. You know, he was a guy that kind of was, had his hand in a lot of things up above the day to day where Tory, he communicated a little more with Tory when he was the bench coach and, um, kind of ran things through him. Um, you know, John was, was, was great. I just think he did things a little bit differently, um, was more involved being a pitcher and a pitching coach. I think he related to the pitchers and had his hand in those things a lot more. I see that now as I'm, you're having to organize your thoughts and in these interviews uh, about being a manager and, um, you got to kind of figure out where you're going to, you can't, you can't control it all. You got to delegate and you're going to have your hand in a couple areas and, and what I'm passionate about are the things that I want to have my hand in the most. So I think that's the way John was. And then you get to a guy like Joe Madden, and as much as it seems from the other side when you're playing against him, how he's so different and one step ahead and very quirky, um, he's actually old school to the core. He just uses the analytics in his favor for certain wacky situations where he may take the pitcher and put him in left field. He's not scared mm. to to answer to the media about some crazy stuff. And, you know, I always thought he could get away with that in Tampa Bay and he might hurt him in a big market. Well, he proved it in, in Chicago and been able to do some fun stuff. And to be honest with you, you're, you're sitting on the bench a lot of the times going, I can't believe he's, what's he doing. And I would say 90% of the time it works out. Um, so he knows what he's doing. He's very calm. Uh, he gives a lot of freedom to the players. Another great manager I had, Bobby Cox, gave a lot of – Freedom to the players. Treated you like a man. Expected you to do your business, get your work in, and play hard, and you wouldn't have any trouble with it.
2: Do you think you'd be a combination of guys, or do you, or do you think that you would sort of at the end of the day, maybe not be exactly like one person, but be more similar to one person?
3: Yeah, I think I think I, it's a it's a it's a mixture, right? I, I pull from each guy. That's the one thing we'll. You know, I tell people all the time, I'm so thankful for playing for so many different organizations and kind of bouncing around and the role that I had and the opportunities that I might have moving forward to manage. um, It's exciting to me because I've played for so many different managers. I've played for some really bad ones, and I realize, like, what a bad manager looks like and how, you know, some of those qualities that stand out to me and and a bad manager. And the good ones, they've got so many great qualities, and they're very eerily similar where the communication skills are important. Uh, the freedom to the players are important. Um, the standards don't waver. Um, the expectations never change. Um, the work gets done, but it make, they make it fun. Uh, little things like that, uh, that you kind of take with you. And, and, you know, when you look at trying to be a manager, how all those things sound great, but how do you put those into practice for your own team when you start to have to answer the question? And, um, that's the stuff that you can't really, uh, quantify and put in. To words until you're actually in the seat and doing them and, and maybe experiment a little bit of how you want to do things your way.
2: Well, the weird thing is, is that I don't know what, when was the first time that you actually, you know, in your life said, oh, maybe I, I might want to be a manager someday. I know that you know we've talked before and I know that when you retired, there's other things that you, you want to be around your family. You want to see if you want to do the broadcasting, this or that. But I would imagine at some point in your life when you're playing, you're like, yeah, this managing thing, You know, maybe 10 years from now, I might want to do. Do you remember when that first hit you?
3: Yeah, I mean, I remember thinking a little bit. Well, here's what happened, Rob. It's like my my peers kept telling me how great I, uh, of a manager I was going to be <laughs> one day, which, you know, I hadn't really thought about it. I guess you're always kind of, as a veteran player, especially managing from a bench. Um, and so you start to look into those things. I, I, I mean – when you when I got to, it was a little bit watching Bobby Cox work in Atlanta, I remember thinking over there, man, this guy just got things under control, he makes it fun, it seems extremely simple from his seat, I, I you know it's not, now especially, but, um, you know, you start to look at it a little bit, but just my peers knocked me over the head with, you know, you think your playing career was great, you're going to be, you know, uh, even better manager and have a much longer career, which is also flattering and I think we have no idea uh, how that's going to play out but um, if I get the opportunity to manage. But I, I think more of my peers continue to beat me over the head with how great they think I could be at this job and and, um, and starting to look at it that way and start to analyze what I would want to do. Um, we had a lot of those type guys in Boston with your Johnny Gomes, Mike Napoli, Justin Pedroia, guys that were looking at the game through manager's eyes and one step ahead or managing through – when they're on the bench and a, and role players on the bench, I mean that's when you really started talking a lot more about it because we just had baseball rats on that team in two thousand thirteen. A lot of Stephen Drew, um, I, you know, list goes on. Uh, Jake Peavy, you know, sitting there. We're always talking baseball uh, with that group, and um, that's when it started to become real for me. Of, of you know what exactly did I want to do in baseball uh, how you know after I was done playing
2: how much more complicated do you think it is i mean it's probably it's probably a lot more complicated than even when you know you stop playing you know a few years ago
3: and- i think i think yeah you know, no doubt no doubt i think yes with with all the information you're having to decipher i think there is, it needs to be a lot more delegation than probably before and and to be honest with you i don't think managers the newer age managers have as much say as maybe the old school managers and and the day-to-day operations of what goes on. There's probably a lot more collaboration with the front office and, and some more opinions with the research and development group. Um, you know, there's a lot more, I think it's extremely hard. I think it's, you know, it's hard to keep the message fresh. I think it's hard to, um, Stay positive, continue to be yourself because you're getting it from all angles. I'm, I'm, there's a lot of, of just handling and, and managing of people, uh, much less the game and, and, and the, the baseball side of it. You're, there's a lot of organizational skills that are coming into play. I'm seeing more and more. Uh, but just the, the maintenance of, of handling uh, different groups in different areas and keeping everybody happy has got to take its toll. Uh, on guys. So I think it's a lot harder than people get credit for. Now I'll tell you this I, I think the more experience you have and the longer you're in it, that part probably comes a lot more second nature of you know your routine, you know what's important, you've made some mistakes you've learned from your mistakes.
2: Alright, good stuff from David Ross. We had to stop abruptly unfortunately but still good stuff nonetheless. I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, so keep an eye on what he does and hopefully you have a better perspective of what he's thinking in his approach. Also, speaking of approach, Red Sox hired a new assistant hitting coach, Peter Fotsey, a Western Mass guy, comes from the Minnesota Twins after just a year there, a minor league hitting instructor. Um, basically, you know, I think that a, a good, a good, way to sort of consume or start the conversation about exactly who this guy is, 32 years old, is just by listening to this clip. This clip is uh, Ahead of the Curve from the Ahead of the Curve podcast, a good podcast. It was taped in early September, and I I think it, it sort of starts the conversation anyway about who this guy is, who the guy is who is replacing Andy Barquette for the Red Sox. So take a listen.
4: When, any Anything you would notice, I would say the first is a lot of questions. Okay. I That's the first thing I say to any new player is, please don't take this personally, but I'm going to ask you a ton of questions because, it's again, it's my job to meet you where you are, and I need to be able to speak your language and understand what you value. So that would be the first thing, and that's pretty notable anytime I'm around anybody is I, or hitters-wise is I ask a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. The second thing would be an over – I would say the – from like, a, if you were to watch me work with somebody, I talk a lot of about controlling the gather, and that's just something in just how guys begin to store energy, how guys start to get in position to like use their use their hips, how they load their, you know, how they're working, their hands are working in conjunction with that. You know, I really take a lot of time and, and get guys to understand how they get into position to see the ball. And then the third thing is, I really like to enjoy the process, and I really like to let my guys know when they're doing a good job. Because this game is very, very, very tough, uh, especially on the offensive side. I mean, it's a very tough game to play. So when guys are doing what we're – they're working towards a goal or they're doing something we're asking of them and they're succeeding, I like to let them know you're doing a very, very good job. Like, you're really working hard. We really appreciate that. You're doing, Mm -hmm. like, that's awesome. You see how the ball came off your bat there. Like, I think continuing to put that in the minds of the hitters just reinforces that, like, there's a belief in them and then ultimately that we care about their career
2: all right you got david ross you got the red sox news new hitting assistant hitting coach peter fozzi so hopefully this gave you some insight into what was going on some stuff that you aren't able to get anywhere else that's a bradfo show a good reason to, to subscribe to rate review all of it we'll have more this week really really appreciate you jumping aboard we'll talk to you soon
0: Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 cleaners and protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nano-spray coating gives you professional protection and a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand-new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect, and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more
1: information. Search you make Every click you take They'll be watching you Tired of companies like Google and Facebook Watching everything you do online? There's actually a simple solution DuckDuckGo It's an all-in-one privacy app With a built-in private search engine Web browser One-click data clearing Email protection And more All for free Download the app today And get the most comprehensive privacy protection With a push of a button DuckDuckGo Privacy simplified